So we're going to do something uh, slightly different for our reading this morning. Our reading's not uh, particularly long. It's only a few verses. And one of the things that would have happened around Jesus' time is when they, uh, people gathered together to hear from the Bible, they would have heard from it uh, together. They would have perhaps recited, had it recited to them sometimes, but also sometimes would have said it together. Uh, and so we're going to do that this morning. We're going to try and read the verse together. Now, I will warn you, there's the name of a priest in there, which is quite tricky to say. So let's see how we get on with it. Uh, but here is our verse. Let's say this together. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the rainfields, and his disciples walked along, but they began to pick some ears of corn. The Pharisees said to him, Look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? He answered, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? And in the days of Abiathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate consecrated bread, which is lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. Then he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. Brilliant, well done. It's not an easy priest name to say, is it? But well done. Uh, and so we've got this wonderful scene where Jesus is walking through the cornfields with his disciples on the Sabbath. Now the Sabbath, a very important day of rest for the Jews. Every week the Sabbath is celebrated and observed. Uh, the Jews would have a day where they didn't do any work, where they just, uh, just had a day of resting in God's presence, basically. And Jesus is walking through the fields on this day and he does something and the Pharisees see him do it. The Pharisees were the sort of teachers of the, uh, the Old Testament to, to Jesus' people, to the Jews of the time. And they saw Jesus doing this and they weren't very happy. Because you see, for them, the Sabbath had become something else, more than just about a day of rest. It had become something they wanted to make sure that everybody did properly. So the Jewish people at the time, the Pharisees at the time, they wrote a book and in that book were lots of directions as to how the Sabbath should be done. And in there were 39 rules of things that you have to do on the Sabbath or not do on the Sabbath. Now, when God gave the Sabbath earlier in the Old Testament, uh, he basically said on the Sabbath, you should do no manner of work. You just rest and enjoy God's presence. And he was very clear about how we should spend it. But they added more and more rules, making it more and more difficult for people to observe. And here is Jesus in this verse alone, in just one sentence, Jesus is breaking four of their rules. He's being a bit of a rule breaker, a bit of a rebel here. And the Pharisees don't like it. And they say to him, you can't do that. It's the Sabbath day. You can't be doing that. And then Jesus says a very important sentence at the end. He says, Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So he's saying Sabbath is God's gift to us. Something for us to enjoy. Sabbath is something uh, that is meant to be for benefit, not for burden. Something that's meant to benefit God's people. So we've got this idea of rest on a Sabbath. That one of the things we're supposed to do on Sabbath is to rest. And we talked earlier about the things we like to do to help us to rest. Maybe to have a lie-in in bed a bit longer or to do some drawing uh, or to go for a nice walk. And these are, are wonderful things to do. But we're not particularly good at rest 
in our country because we live in a country where everybody works really hard, they work really long hours, they're really busy. But in some other cultures, uh, they, they can teach us a thing or two about rest. In one particular culture, every day at three o'clock, everyone stops working and goes for a sleep. That's a nice idea, isn't it? Every day, you stop work at three o'clock and you go for sleep for an hour and then work starts again an hour later. I think that's a nice idea, isn't it? I heard of one culture in Europe, I think this is amazing, uh, who so believe in the importance of family and family rest that if you have two or more children, the government pay for your holiday. Isn't that amazing? If you've got two or more children, they pay for your holiday. I think that's a brilliant idea. Absolutely. I might petition our MPs about that one. Um, but yeah, it's a wonderful thing, this whole concept of rest uh, that we can learn from others. But rest in the Bible is something a bit different. And the reason we're starting this whole process of looking through our statement of becoming with the theme of rest is because we want everything we do to not come from a place of striving but from a place of relationship. Because when you read about rest in the Bible, that's what it's all about. It's all about relationship with God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, connecting with Jesus, resting in his presence. So when God made everything and he made us, he gave us the wonderful, wonderful gift of Sabbath, that whole kind of thing that we're created and designed and desired to rest with God, to be in God's presence. When the writer of Hebrews is talking about uh, heaven and the future promise, one of the things, key things he talks about is about entering into God's rest for eternity. And so rest is this really important thing. And Sabbath is this wonderful gift to us on earth. Now in Hebrew, uh, the word is uh, pronounced Shabbat. So I thought we'd say that together. So uh, Shabbat, one, two, three. Yeah, it's a wonderful word and a really important word in the Jewish calendar. And what's wonderful about the week for for people who follow this uh, continue today and people who followed it in Jesus' day is that Shabbat, Sabbath, is at the start of the week. Not the end of the week. It's not how you end your week. It's how you start your week. And everything you do flows from that place of Sabbath rest, of having communed with God, of having related with God and spent time with him and prioritized that relationship with him. And it's a hard thing for us to prioritize in our hurried culture. And it is really countercultural to say that rest is the highest call that we have. But it really is. It's something that Jesus is inviting us into, which, remember, is for benefit, not for burden. It's not something he wants us to be feeling guilty about or, or beating ourselves up when we, when we don't do it. But it's something he's inviting us into, that place of rest. But the question is, what does it look like practically? What does it mean to have a Sabbath rest and to delight in uh, to, and to, to spend time in that relationship? Well, it means a couple of things. The first is this, that it's not about being idle, but it's primarily about delighting in God. What are the things that you do that help you to delight in God? Maybe it might be to read his word. Maybe it's to pray. Maybe it's to worship. Maybe it's to enjoy the beauty of his creation. Maybe it's to get the rest that your body needs. Maybe it's to be with others who know him and love him and to have coffee with them and talk with them about the things of Jesus and the things of God. Sabbath rest is about delighting in God and doing the things that help us delight in God. 
So it's not necessarily, and probably not, putting your feet up and watching Netflix. As, might, as good as that might be for our bodies, our bodies need rest as well. But Sabbath rest is about delighting in God. Rejoicing in who he is and how he's made us to be. And in order to be able to rest like that, in order to be able to rest in God's presence, we need to be secure in who we are and whose we are. Because when we rest, we realize we're not about what we do. We are not what we do. We are who we are in Jesus. Uh, One person said that Sabbath is God's wonderful gift to us to remind us that the world does not depend on us. I like that. A wonderful gift to us to remind us that the world does not depend on us. And it's one of those things that we need to be intentional about cultivating and working in our lives. I make no apologies for preaching on rest a lot. And every time I do, I'm preaching as much to myself as I am to you. I've been writing this this sermon uh, in a week where I've not been able to do this. I've not been able to practice this in the way that I would like to practice this. Because I know how good it is for my soul to find rest in Jesus. But it's also about learning to do things at his pace. In his rhythm. How many of you here know the really famous Bible passage where Jesus talks about taking a yoke upon yourself? Do you know that one? Take, your, yeah, take my yoke upon you. My, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Uh, and the picture that Jesus is using there, a yoke is a, is a name for basically a thing that was put around the neck of horses or oxen to pull uh, a plow or something in a field. It was a very heavy piece of equipment. But there was also something called a double yoke, which basically meant that it was a, a double one of those that would go around two horses or two oxen and they would pull the yoke, to pull the, uh, the plow together, making the work a lot easier and a lot quicker. When Jesus says, take my yoke upon you, he's not saying, And now just do nothing and let me do it all. What he's saying is, learn to work at my rhythm. Learn to work at my pace. Allow me to take the lead in what's important and what's not important. About what matters and what doesn't matter. It's about walking at the rhythm of Jesus. Now one thing you realise when you read the Gospels and you read the story of Jesus is that he never ran anywhere. You never see Jesus running. You see him walking at a pace that is steady. And even when you see him really busy, and even at times when you see him exhausted, which you do see Jesus get exhausted, what you see is he quickly retreats and goes to be with God. And then he comes back from that place of rest, and he's able then to be interrupted again. Sabbath rest and biblical rest, it is about delighting in God, but also about learning to do things at his rhythm, in a way that's unhurried, so that we can be interrupted by God and by others who may need us. But it's for our benefit, not as a burden. It's an invitation to a gift. 
So one of the things we're wanting to do over this year as we go through this statement is to give you things to try at home to work on. Uh, so I need uh, three volunteers to come, please, and just hold some things for me. Just very simple. Abigail's one. Uh, two more volunteers. They don't have to be children. Adults can volunteer as well. Yeah, do you want to come and hold one for me? Brilliant. So I'm going to give you uh, three things that you can try to do uh, to help you. I need one more person, please. Three things to try to do to help you uh, learn what it is or to be what it means to rest or to discover, thank you Sylvia, what it means to rest. The first one, Abigail, hide this up, hold this up nice and high, is to, higher than that, so everyone can see, is to divert daily. Okay, the second one, I'll explain these in a minute, is to withdraw weekly. And the third one is to abandon annually. So they're written in ways that are nice and easy to remember and understand. Divert daily, withdraw weekly, and abandon annually. What that means is every single day just taking a few minutes to be with Jesus. And in any way that helps you to delight in him, whether that's to read his word, to pray, to worship, to meet with somebody else who knows him and discuss him with them, uh, whatever it may be, just taking a moment each day to divert your attention away from the world and on to Jesus. The second, withdraw weekly. That's basically your Sabbath rest, to find a day in the week where you intentionally spend time in his presence, delighting in him, rejoicing in him. Uh, as a family, ideally, if you have a family, uh, or on your own if not. And then abandon annually. Uh, it's basically, try to take time to have a retreat, 24 hours away from everything else and in presence of Jesus. I know it's not always possible for everyone, but as Jesus is saying, this, this invitation will benefit your soul if you can find time to do this. Right now, as we're standing here uh, this weekend, Rick and Phil are away leading a weekend of retreat in Penshurst, uh, not far away from here. A wonderful place to go for retreat. There's lots of other places you can as well. Just to find time where you abandon everything else that you have planned and you just take time away with Jesus. So I want to encourage you, challenge you to get your diaries out and to find time, to factor in time, to divert daily, withdraw weekly and abandon annually. This is the invitation of Sabbath rest. This is the invitation of learning to walk at the rhythm and the pace of Jesus uh, and hopefully in a way that's easy and helpful to remember for you. And I have to say, unless you do this, it won't happen by accident. These things will never happen by accident. We're already in February. Did you notice that? How quickly time goes. We're already in February. And so if we don't make time for these things, they won't happen by accident. We need to be intentional about them. But it's an invitation from Jesus. It's a benefit, not a burden to us to divert daily with him, withdraw weekly and abandon annually. So may we be people who seek his rest. Know that rest is ultimately about relationship with him. And as he invites us deeper into that rest, may we discover more of his love for us. Amen. Thank you very much to my volunteer. So somebody was once asked, what is the key to our spiritual growth? What is the one thing we need to do in order to be able to grow as disciples of Jesus, to grow in our faith, to grow in our relationship with God and all those kind of things? And he said this, you need to ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. That's the key. Just get rid of all sense of hurry. Unless you do that, you will be stunted in your growth. I don't know what it's like, but it's 
I'm sure you know it's not a nice feeling to be in to be in a hurry, is it? It's not something some people thrive off it, but it's not something I particularly enjoy. And it's not nice to be in the presence of someone who's in a hurry either. Maybe you've been in this situation before where you've been expecting to see someone and they've kind of rushed in and they've said hello and you kind of sense they're there, but they're not really there because their mind's on the next thing they're going to, and it's not fun to be in the presence of. But we've got to make time for the things that matter. And if the thing that matters is presence with Jesus, then the key to that, the key to doing that is to eliminate hurry. So uh, let's just take this glass of water, okay? So the other things in life that matter, that are important, that I'm not saying they're not important, those other things, but if we fill our life with those things right to the brim and we make ourselves exhausted with those kind of things or we prioritize those things, then when we try to introduce the key into our life, it's all just going to spill over. There's not going to be room for it to kind of really make the space that we need. If, however, we put the key in first and we prioritise rest with Jesus, we prioritise eliminating hurry from our lives, then the other things can fit around that. It's about Jesus being the priority in your life. That's what Sabbath rest is all about. Is he the most important person in your life? Does he come before and above everything else? That's the key to growth. The key to growing as disciples of Jesus is him being first. As it said very clearly in that passage, Jesus is Lord even of the Sabbath. So if you are Sabbath resting, you are surrendering to him as Lord, which is what our life is all about, what discipleship is all about, Jesus being Lord I'm going to say this again because I just think it's fascinating. But in the, the, the book of Genesis, when you read about the creation of the world, as they're referring to God in Scripture in, in Genesis, they refer to him, first of all, as God. But as soon as he creates humankind, he gets referred to as Lord God. That's our translation of the word Yahweh. It means Lord God. It's always capitals as well, capital Lord, and then the word God, to show that he is Lord of our lives. But when... The enemy comes along and tries to tempt Eve. There's a very subtle difference made by the writer. He calls him God. Removes the Lord. Isn't that amazing? That the writers knew there's a huge difference when you acknowledge him as your Lord. And he is Lord of the Sabbath. And so he needs to be number one in our lives, not in a way that we feel guilty about if we struggle to do it because it's about our benefit, not a burden. But he's inviting us to be Lord of all our lives. And if we can start our day or our week in that place, then the rest will fit around it. The key to growing as disciples of Jesus is to ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life and rest in him. Amen.